0: edition Of Spin Cycle. <laughs> uh, broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land, whichever way you vote. Um, I'm Jess Lily and joined in the studio by contributing editor to the monthly, Rachel Withers. Welcome, Rachel.
1: Thank you for having me back.
0: I think we can do away with that charade now. (laughs) Every week. (laughs) Every week, you're sitting at the front of the studio (laughs) just saying, Can I come in? (laughs) Um, Charlie, not with us this week, uh, and we are sending big, gentle, get well shout outs to Sarah. We're going to be chatting to Guardian reporter Natasha May about the Guardian Australian investigation into the proliferation of gambling among children, school-aged children. It's um, pretty shocking but perhaps... Given we how much gambling advertising we are all exposed to, not entirely surprising. Um, but first, I've been—I think—I feel like you and I have um, sort of slightly separate kind of experiences with the media coverage of the voice <clears throat> this week because I've been reading a lot of very interesting. I was voting no, but now I'm voting yes. Kind of op-eds across a number of publications in the last few days, um, most notably from a few First Nations activists who. Had, previously you know declared themselves very much in sovereign no camp um and it's really interesting to kind of read their points of view because it's very reluctant yes but i always think in these sorts of debates it's amazing when people can change their mind or change their um, position really publicly like that Mm. um and um yeah, so the, some of the op-eds, um, Mariki Onis in they're just really, really amazing reading. Mariki Onis in Indigenous X, Why I Moved from No to Yes. Uh, Taneen Onis in Crikey, The Voice Debate is an Act of Violence but I'm Still Voting Yes. And Roxanne Moore also in Crikey, Yesterday I Was a No, Today I'm a Yes, Here's Why. Um, and then we also saw Liberal MP Matt Keane in The Guardian setting out his case for Yes. Um, and so my in my sort of the the little bits of media that I've been consuming because <laughs> like everyone there's a lot of voice fatigue kicking in. It does feel like the pendulum may be slightly swung back towards yes. Um, who knows if it's. Um, going to do anything to affect you know the sort of stubborn polling that has the no vote at 60 percent of the population but um but but your but your experience or what, what's been really grabbing your attention in the media has been very different this week it's been yeah. an ongoing problem
1: i mean i look there has been positive moments this week mm. and i have sensed that slight momentum shift as well towards mm. yes and those um those three pieces you referred to are um, really really quite powerful.
0: Really. I mean, um, it doesn't matter whether you've made your mind up or not, I really encourage people to read them all. They're, it's just so – I also just think the fact that – and we've said this before, that First Nations people are pu- putting themselves out there and using their voices in these way and absolutely opening up all of their thought processes on this, like we should be reading them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but I think um, in a way those um, progressive no to yes switches that you're talking about – do also uh, reinforce um, what I have been today and and yesterday uh, overwhelmingly feeling, which mm. is the negativity. So, um, I suppose what um, I, I I'm trying to remember who I uh, Taneen I think was on the project as well as mm. writing that piece. Yep. Um, and you know her argument was that this is actually so bad now and Mm. and this debate and the conservative no has enabled so much racism Mm. that even though they still believe that the voice is not enough and that you can't fix the colonial project with colonial tools but that things are so bleak um and and you know there are neo-nazis marching in the streets um
0: they can't possibly be on be on exactly. the same side as yeah, those even if they
1: don't agree with the voice, um, it is just that is how existential this is getting. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's really positive for those hoping for a yes outcome to see a switch um, with, with this small group of progressive no voters. Uh, not all of them, of course. Lydia Thorpe is still very mm. firmly
0: no, um, as is her right. And they respectfully acknowledge that in all of those pieces as well.
1: Yeah, but... I think realistically, we are still looking at a no. Um, And even as there's been a whole range of positive news stories and some incredible endorsements this week and some really cool social media videos, there was a viral one last night. Oh, the Briggs one? The Briggs one um, with uh, Freudian Nip. Yeah, yeah, Um, very good. It was very funny. Uh, I saw so many people sharing that on their Instagram, and Mm. I haven't really seen a lot of people sharing voice stuff. Well, I saw a lot of people
0: sharing it on (laughs)
1: LinkedIn, Rachel. Oh, okay, we've reached we just LinkedIn. We lost some
0: listeners, didn't we?
1: Um, but, you know, I, I think, once again, we are in our bubble here and mm-hmm. and the sort of um, research shows that the on TikTok where, you know, the young people are and a lot of the influence is happening, no is dominating oh, really? space. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Research is showing that um, the, the videos that are getting a lot of traction are um, are kind of like targeted at young people, no videos. Um, mm. There is one woman, uh, Freya Leach. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a former Liberal candidate. She's 20 um, and she's like the youth policy director at the Menzies Centre and um, her videos are incredibly popular. I mean she's a a young, attractive white woman mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they're very TikToky. They're, you know, mm. lip-syncing to things and, and using like popular sounds to make anti-voice content. And there was a really great piece in the ABC today looking at both sides of the TikTok campaign, the yes and the no, mm-hmm. um, and showing some examples of the racist comments that pop up on these videos. Oh, God. Um, and there oh these... is this
0: where I saw someone say, I can't, I'm not responsible for the people Yes, that was her. So, so you had these um,
1: two Indigenous men um young men who were making yes content and they were talking about the racism, the racist comments and they delete them. And then they showed some of the comments pop up under um, Freya Leach's videos and it was really appalling stuff. Like Mm. I I don't know if our listeners are spending much time on social media at the moment, but it's just, yeah, horrifically racist and – Freya said where... I don't I don't delete that stuff. I wouldn't say those things, but you know, people have a right to their opinion and just as much as I have a right to my opinion. Um yeah. So so you've got kind of this above-board-ish official no campaign. Um, And, you know, Justin DePrice appears in in Freya Leach's videos. Um, But then they are enabling the really racist comments and and creating Mm. a platform for really racist comments um,
0: to fester. And um, there was research that came out earlier this year saying that um, Gen Z... Get uh, 26% of Gen Z get more m- most of the news from Instagram and 17% from TikTok. Yeah, and yeah. don't um, don't really um, get their news from traditional news sources. So there you go. Thanks. Yeah. I had a, I had a slight sense of positivity before, Rachel, and Sorry. you've really bashed that out of <laughs> me. The other interesting thing to look at as well is the ongoing issue of how the mainstream media is dealing with misinformation mm. in the campaign. Not
1: well. Mm. I mean, for a while now, this has been a problem. Uh, and And it's something that the media never worked out with Trump. Uh, and still hasn't worked out. Yeah, so in
0: America the TV news broadcasters finally at the end said we won't broadcast him live. Mm. (laughs) We will vet his speeches before, you know, but most of the main news publications still just reported.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's things that politicians say get reported, uh, you know, word for word, as they said. Dutton said. Um, Dutton said and, you know, actually Peter Dutton was kind of pushed on this a little bit on that Kitchen Cabinet episode that we talked about a few weeks ago that mm. caused a little bit of controversy. But Annabelle Crabbe said, do you sometimes say these inflammatory things to get the headline? And he, he sort of went, yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically for some time now, the No campaign has been saying these outrageous things, you know, um, Jacinta Price saying that there was no ongoing negative effects from colonisation for Indigenous people. Yes. Uh, we had she got Warren Mundine saying the Uluru statement was a declaration of war yeah. on modern Australia. Um, just just ludicrous things, um, and then we had one yesterday from Peter Dutton that was, you know, in in a way less um, overtly racist, but just like bizarre. Uh, Peter Dutton said yesterday that. Um, Anthony Albanese had divided the country and had ruined Australia's international reputation uh, because he refused to change the words because outgoing Qantas chief executive Alan Joyce told him not to, and this is like a this oh, is like wow. a, a really weird thing that Dutton is quite obsessed with, which is he's, he's also claimed that Joyce had all these dinners at the lodge with Albanese. And he said this in Parliament. It's just it's just not true. It's but so he's of... just
0: setting up this notion of Albanese being a puppet PM. Uh, i listening a, to the top like end of town. The voice is an elite strategy.
1: thing. Yep. Um, yep. There's this idea. Obviously Qantas is the bad guy at the moment uh, and, you know, so they should be. Um, but – the coalition has really sought to imply was, that it was quid pro quo that uh, the yeah. Albanese government blocked the Qatar flights in exchange for um, Qantas getting on board with the Voice, and yet and this then is you how thought, it was and now reporting. he's saying that um, now he's saying that Albanese. Wouldn't change the wording because Alan Joyce didn't want it changed. It's like, wait, are we are we doing quid pro quo to get Alan Joyce to support the voice, or is Alan Joyce actually running the show? But like, it was just one of those really, really bizarre, wacko things to say. Absolutely no basis in fact. Um, it was reported as as these things are. Um, the Australian reported it straight. Um, you know, Albanese listening to top end of town. Um, the Guardian did correct it, um, but, but it is, repeated it. But re- well. I mean, as did I in my column today, but, mm. uh, like, I have the freedom because my column is, is you know, my opinion to say, like, he said, like, his lies have reached, like, an absurd new level. The Guardian did point out that Alan Joyce was not on any of the working groups that decided the wording of the referendum that was constitutional experts and Indigenous leaders um, and, you know, said, uh, you know, he made this claim... Um, without evidence alleged without evidence um but there was a bit of an argument on twitter sorry to talk about twitter again but (laughs) a bit of an argument you know someone said um this is a lie dutton straight up lied here and has zero evidence to back this claim and it should have been reported as such and the guardian actually the guardian reporter came and defended themselves and said here is where we say um alleged without evidence and here is where we say joyce was not on the working group but the, mm. the fact is, what is the media supposed to do with these ludicrous claims that are getting more and more outlandish? But Peter also, Dutton is well, saying, really, this this is not you know a racist claim necessarily, but it is just
0: bonkers. And but it's it is- happening that it it happens every time there is a bit of positive, oh yeah, uh, momentum for the for the yes campaign. So it's it's a it's throwing a grenade to disrupt any sort of um, clawing back of you know so then so then everyone has to respond to that it just sucks the oxygen out of any of the kind of positive debate
1: yeah and and look sometimes i ponder as someone in the media whether i should give it any more time
0: mm. uh
1: i don't necessarily worry too much about amplifying it because my platform is much smaller than say the australian i think people know where
0: you stand yeah yeah
1: but <laughs> but in terms of amplifying it like is it worth going over a claim that sort of wasn't a headline, but well, it was on The Australian, but um wasn't necessarily... It wasn't just enterprise-level uh, colonisation. Well, it's important
0: had... to point out when they're lying. Yeah, I you think know, it especially is. Especially if no-one else is. I think
1: it is, but, you know, why has the media not figured this out yet? I will say in the last um, week or so I've noticed um, the nine papers, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, have made a real effort to call out lies. Mm. Um, Peter Dutton told another, like, Flagrant lie yesterday about asylum seeker numbers under Labor. It was just not true. Mm. Um, and the um, Nine Papers did a whole post in in their news blog on it, why it was a lie. Here's some experts saying what's a lie. And then when they wrote up their story at the end of the day, it kind of foregrounded the fact that Peter Dutton had lied. I don't think they said lie, um, but they are making an effort. And same thing with um, Jacinta Price calling for an audit of Indigenous spending this week. The nine papers were the ones that reported it and said it is, you know, not accurate to say that there hasn't been an audit. There were 22 while yeah. the coalition was in power. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're still reporting her. They're still reporting what she's saying. But I do think they're making a bit of an effort. Uh, but, yes, we still don't see the word lie anywhere other than um,
0: crikey and <laughs> <the> Well, <monthly. laughs> I'm sure the lawyers have something to do with that. Melbourne's own Triple R. Natasha May is health reporter at The Guardian Australia after a stint as a live blogger and rural and regional reporter at the same publication. And along with Melissa Davey, uh, Tasha's latest investigation looks at the impacts of online gambling in young people, reporting children as young as 10 hooked on the apps and seeking help for addiction. Tash joins us now to talk about this confronting investigation. Welcome to SpinCycle. Oh, thanks so much
2: for having me, Jess.
0: It's so great for you to join us and um, this report, uh, I guess this investigation appears with a bit of a sad inevitability given there has been a lot of hand-wringing for a long time over the impacts of, you know, gambling, advertising... There was um, the You Win Some, You Lose More report um, released by the government earlier this year. But it still is breathtaking in terms of the, the, the real-life impacts that you talk about uh, on young people. Can you go back to um, what was the sort of genesis um, for you guys to start this investigation?
2: Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I suppose the genesis came from knowing that gambling is just such a massive public health issue in Australia um, that we have the largest per capita losses anywhere in the world. And there is increasingly in the studies, there was evidence showing that children were being affected. And this aspect of gambling harm Deserved more attention, we thought, just because, and more investigation, because children and young people being some of the most vulnerable uh, pe- members of our society, and that they were not only susceptible to um, more susceptible to the advertising, but also being put in a position where they're entering adulthood with depression and anxiety, alongside debt and relationship breakdown, um, uh, because of um, because of gambling in their youth.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Hi, Tash. It's Rachel here. I was wondering, um, in terms of reporting this story, you know, there are some some damning stats um, that you got from, like, the gambling helpline, things like that. But I was wondering about um, sort of how you went about approaching interviewing some of these young people whose stories you, you tell throughout the piece.
2: Oh um, yeah, hi Rachel. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I suppose that yeah, the the investigation was um, uh, kind of had various aspects to it in trying to piece together what was happening in terms of how children were being affected by um, by gambling. So uh, um, obviously, yeah, there was um, reaching out to the the helplines for the data to kind of get this across the board picture showing these rising rates. But then the other part of the investigation that was really important to us was having the voices of young Australians themselves who were being affected and being able to really um, uh, have those those personal stories that, um, uh, like, showing what the kind of on-the-ground impacts, so to speak, were. And so, um, yeah, my editor, Melissa Davey, um, did reach out to um, uh, Posted on Reddit, asking people mm-hmm. to come forward and share their stories with us. And so this um, this came from the young people themselves volunteering to um, to share these stories with us. And obviously, um, I, I think there's a lot of shame sometimes that people feel around mm. um, around admitting. To having um, uh, to having gambling problems, so uh, yeah, it didn't take lightly the fact that they were coming forward and um, and yeah, being um, uh, being vulnerable and uh, and honest about these experiences. But I think what. That really comes back to is the fact that um, what we were hearing from them is that the young people that are being affected by these problems is that they actually do want change. They want um, uh, they want action, and they they don't want the kind of other people like them to be kind of uh, to, uh, uh, kind of being preyed upon by what's happening with advertising and. Um, uh, and that they are aware that, that this is something that the government should be doing more about in order to protect them.
0: Yeah, you, the, in um, the, the article that um, launched the investigation, there is a pretty kind of shocking image showing, uh, I'm assuming it's a, um, a gambling kind of ad, but it's on TikTok and it looks like TikTok content and it um, says girls group chat's going wild because Rihanna is dropping Super Bowl halftime show teasers and sports bet has markets on it. Uh, but there's a gamble responsibly um, uh, number on it. So very clearly targeting a very young demographic on their social media um, platforms, bypassing any kind of parental control. What were some of the more alarming things that you heard in the interviews that you conducted with with young people and their families?
2: I I think um, just the ways that... um that yeah, that it is just so kind of easy for them to um, uh, to get into to get into gambling just because of the online um, the online nature of it, um, and I mean there was. Uh, Actually, Helen Poynton from Relationships Australia, um, there was a particularly upsetting anecdote that she shared with me, which is um, she was at a um, community, uh, she was running a community stall um, uh, in Queensland, and she had a grandmother who came up to her asking for help because her 13- and 14-year-old grandchildren had taken her credit card and used it for online gambling, putting her, who was a pensioner, in $12,000 worth of debt. And she didn't want to report her gra- her grandchildren to the police, but mm. um, she's now trying to pay that debt off her pensioner income. And uh, that's one of the stories that stuck with me. But um, a lot of the stories, just in terms of just how bad the mental health effects are on the, um, uh, the young people in Australia that are being preyed upon by the gambling industry, um, like are leaving them with, um, like Kate Cheney told us, uh, $100,000 worth of debt, one person under 24 in her electorate. And Mm. there's just more and more of these kind of stories of of young Australians being taken advantage of. And we know that often they don't have, um, like we know uh, that, Young people are particularly susceptible to advertising, and so mm. it's really um, uh, what the investigation comes back to is kind of that it's not um, it's not any of these young people their faults. It's the, the um, this environment, like you mentioned with that example of TikTok, and also on YouTube, um, the fact that the gambling industry are targeting young people through advertising um, and. Uh, and and that's where we're getting these um, these awful stories coming about.
1: Yeah, and they, I mean they really are awful stories. And I think what strikes me with these these gambling pieces is it seems like such a an obvious thing for governments to address. And and I know that certain MPs are, are very big on it. But w- what is your sense of why this is so difficult? For us to get anywhere on in australia is it is it the donations is it mm. the culture like w- what is holding back sort of the main the major parties from really taking this seriously?
2: I suppose like you said we definitely there's been a lot um, that uh, we know that the um, uh, that the gambling industry do donate to both major parties um, I think there was a um, uh, an um investigation um have, have found uh, variously like millions of dollars and but yet so we're in a situation where um uh, dr snapper thomas from um uh from Deakin university has written about it that there's these parallels between the tobacco industry yes. and the gambling industry um but yet like there's not the same approach in terms of recognizing that government needs to step in that these industries can't be allowed to self-regulate. That the mm-hmm. the harms are just simply too too great. That there needs to be this level of. Um, uh Of of intervention to to protect these vulnerable people?
0: Well, uh, the industry, um, as you said at the top, you know, Australians gamble more per capita than anywhere else in the world, losing $25 billion every year. I mean, that is a massive industry. They spend, or in the last year, they spent $30 million on advertising, which just seems a drop in the ocean compared to those figures. And obviously, they've got a lot of money for lobbying. Um, as Mm. well so it it just seems like that's such a behemoth to try and wrangle but obviously the harms are so great. Did you feel, did you in your interviews, did anyone sort of um, mention advertising directly in terms of you know, because I know you talk talk to people teachers in schools, kids Mm. who are gambling in schools um, you know, gambling with friends, did they mention the advertising specifically um as as you know influencing their choices
2: oh yeah um uh, definitely in terms of um there was um uh, one um uh, one uh, one young man that we spoke to uh um, uh, His name, we use the pseudonym Stephen in the article. I think he said to us that um, he recalled being first exposed to gambling from influencers and advertisements in online video games. Mm -hmm. So what he told us was that people would put gambling website links into their video game name to get extra credit on gambling websites. And that he was particularly saying that for him, um, uh, he found YouTube was very popular for influencers promoting gambling gambling websites and that he'd watch other people gamble on YouTube using funds that was credited by the gambling website that sponsored them.
0: Well, it's so insidious too, because, you know, parents think that they're applying parental controls, um, but how do you get around that? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, and in terms of what we, uh, like just speaking to um, speaking to young people as well as speaking to the experts, there's kind of a variety of, because it's, um, uh, I suppose, because the issue of young people gambling as well hasn't been that, um, uh, um, uh, is, a, is something that, um, yeah, hasn't been that um, uh, widely recognized. Uh, some researchers say that, yeah, sometimes it is the, parents that will like give children the credit card to gamble with mm. and especially with online gambling um we know that young people can bypass the age restrictions as well to get into physical venues but there's that check every time they go in as opposed to with online um both uh the apps and websites pretty much once there's one check to, like to have the um, one credit card, they're then able to keep on using the account to to continue um, to continue gambling. So it's it's also the very on the online nature of it that makes it that much easier for um, some of the most vulnerable, the most young people that we're talking about, under eighteen year olds, to be um, uh, to be gambling uh, with. Um, uh, yeah, dis- despite supposedly restrictions being in place mm-hmm. um tash i was wondering
1: so your your the first piece in this series dropped on tuesday and then another big one on wednesday am i right yes yeah, yeah. um what kind of response have you gotten and at, like how has it differed to what you expected
2: yeah, so um, uh, it's uh, we've been quite heartened by the response in terms of um, there've been quite a lot of um, uh, members of the crossbench that have really um, picked up on the reporting, and uh, Sophie Sophie Scamps, who's the independent member for McKellar, um uh, has called for an urgent parliamentary inquiry into the impact of advertising on children and young people by harmful industries. And that comes from not only gambling, but also what we're seeing with the vaping industry. Mm. And when we reached out to um, uh, to other um, other members of the parliament um, uh, for their responses, we, um, uh, the Greens, Andrew Wilkie, Monique Ryan, Zoe Daniel, and Kate Cheney all told us that they would be... Um, um, uh, supporting
0: that call from Sophie Scamps. The um, you win some, you lose more. Report, parliamentary report that was released earlier this year um, included recommendations to ban online gambling ads within three years. Is that enough? I mean, or do you think that will happen?
2: I mean, it's it's certainly gaining. Um, a, a, like gaining more traction that we're having these kind of conversations. And certainly what the public health experts are telling us is that, like um, is that uh, there have been calls for, um, for comprehensive bans on all forms of marketing for gambling products um, because trusting industries to self-regulate simply doesn't work. Um, and I suppose with the kind of um, like the will from the cross bench uh, to to push for this change, I think should give us some uh, uh, should be heartening in terms of that there is um, uh, that there are uh, there is representation that's looking at the evidence, looking at the um, the public health risks that are so great if we're not taking this action.
1: Yeah, and what what response, if any, have you got from the government
2: themselves? Uh, so we know that Emma um, uh, uh, McBride, who's the Assistant um, Minister for Mental Health, um, uh, she um, she responded to um, uh, to our inquiry yesterday, saying that the government is committed to protecting vulnerable Australians from gambling harms and that they're considering the recommendations from the report that came out of the House of Representatives inquiry into online gambling. So nothing too concrete, but we know that um that this is a really hot potato in terms of what's happening in Canberra. And, and what, what's on the radar.
0: And what response have you had from the gambling industry?
2: Uh, the gambling industry, I've, um, uh, n- not nothing that's arrived in my inbox. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely we're following this issue, and um, and also a really big response from a lot of teachers as well that have been telling us that this is really something that they are seeing in their classrooms, and um, and yeah, like uh, the education sector, a really big response because. Like uh, the um, the CEO of Independent Schools Australia um, uh, told us that a lot of the times there's lots of reporting around that plan about how teachers and schools aren't doing um, uh, aren't quite um, up to uh, aren't um, up to scratch. But what he's kind of what he told us was that. uh, they find it really frustrating to see those kind of reports that they're wringing their hands, um, uh, media wringing their hands about schools not doing enough and teachers not being good enough because sometimes they're dealing with these um, with students that are um, their state of mind being altered because of these harmful industries and gambling being one of them with a lot of teachers saying some have whole classrooms really full of students that are addicted to particularly sports betting apps.
0: That's insane, like whole classrooms. And that brings another, sort of raises another aspect of this, which legislation and and regulation is one thing, but education seems to be incredibly lacking. If parents are unwittingly or consciously giving... Or allowing children access to their betting accounts, unaware that it could lead to a serious addiction, There's, and also if schools are unable to control children who are using their phones before, during, after class because they're on gambling apps, there seems to be a, an absolute education vacuum on this subject.
2: Yeah, and I think part of it is um, like perhaps like the idea that a lot of the times, I mean. Um, it, that we think sometimes gambling, like drinking, has an age restriction on it, that, okay, technically young people shouldn't be allowed to gamble, but the reality um, that we're finding from the data, from uh, the interviews anecdotally, is that this is happening, so it's the, it, it does need to kind of, it needs the attention and it needs the uh, kind of... Um, uh, a response, but particularly like um uh, like the the piece points out that kind of addressing the root cause, which is that we're seeing these harmful industries like the gambling industries targeting kids, and mm. that's really the 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 root of this
0: yeah, we need to give them tools to cope uh Tash, thank you. It's a really, it's its actually frightening as a parent of two, two young boys. Um, but I'm so glad that that you um, have undertaken this investigation and I, h- I hope you stay with it and it has the impact that it should. Um, is Will we see more? Is there more to come
2: from this investigation? Um, yep, I am still reading through some of the responses that we got from our reader call-out, so stay tuned.
1: <laughs> well, incredible work, Tash, and, and look after yourself.
2: Thanks thanks very much for having me. Have, a, have a, a a good rest of your Thursday night.
0: You too. We've been talking to Natasha May, the health reporter at The Guardian Australia, and I really do encourage everyone to go and check out those couple of articles. There's one uh, that's titled A Massive Public Health Problem, Australian Children as Young as 10 Are Hooked on Gambling, and then the second one that came out that t- talks more about the issues in schools, uh, which is titled Staggering Rise of Gambling Among school Age Children Leads to Call for Urgent Inquiry, and it is co-authored uh, by Melissa Davy and Tash may who we just heard from them triple
1: R on FM digital online on demand podcasts and via the app
0: there 's not a huge amount of other news stories to talk about given that um, the referendum is reaching peak news media saturation um, ten days out from the actual referendum date although I, I did Place my vote this morning because I will be out of the country, and I'm quite happy about that. Yeah, good for you. Um, so, what pray do tell, Rachel? Have you been distracting yourself with to get away from the old um, referendum?
1: I have to admit, I'm pretty bad at distracting myself. Like yes. I, I do get sucked into like Twitter holes at night. But um, the fun thing that I have been following, and I'm always kind of half following and. Uh, I reckon about half the memes I follow uh, relate to Taylor Swift. <laughs>
0: um, oh, what's happening? In, I know, I'm, like, not a Taylor Swift person, so you need to tell oh, so me. So you're
1: not even seeing any of the content about the um, NFL player that she's. I, she's got a new beau right? Um, and he is a footballer in mm-hmm. the US and she's been going to the games um, and, you know, everybody, like, loses their mind when she shows up at one of these games in the player's box and mm. um, Taylor Swift fans are now going Is he going problematic to because doesn't she notoriously
0: date problematic men?
1: Well, okay, so the the one before <laughs> she had a bit of a fling with was very problematic, yes, Maddie Healy. I've and read, I read about saw that I one. saw
0: something that was like oh
1: um that just shows how how problematic Maddie Healy was. That this new NFL guy looks like a really safe, nice choice <laughs> by comparison. He does seem like a nice. He went along to her concert and he had a friendship bracelet for her, and oh. he he didn't get to meet her, and he he posted about being disappointed about it. But,
0: but oh, is that how they met? Is that, that how they... well,
1: he? He's got a bit of a profile. He's like you know that um, he's he's the tight end for the. Um, The Chiefs, um, the Kansas City Chiefs. His position is he is the tight end, Mm. uh, which has caused a few memes and jokes. But um, today I saw a headline suggesting that Taylor Swift's whole, you know, there's a new guy and everyone's obsessed with with tracking their every move, um, is actually a distraction
0: Mm. from
1: something else. Oh. And I saw this headline and I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) Conspiracy (laughs) theory and Taylor Swift in one. um, And the rumour is that um, what Taylor Swift is trying to distract us from Mm. is um, her terrible, terrible environmental track record. Uh, oh, this is hilarious. She takes a lot of um, private jets around. Right. And she's one of the worst celebrity offenders apparently. Uh-huh. Um, and the
0: theory is In that In terms by... of burning fossil yeah, fuels yeah. through jet miles. Yes, mm. yeah. Um, and because you know... she's going to concerts or she just jets around a lot, you um, know, like goes to Vegas on the weekend? If you all... haven't looked into it. Okay. Come on, <laughs> If you're going to go down a rabbit hole, do it properly. Uh,
1: but, but the idea is that this is being done so that um, – because there is a team in the NFL called the New York Jets.
0: Oh, my God, stop.
1: If you Google <laughs> Taylor Swift Jets, um, what oh, will gosh. slowly start to appear is is more and more NFL pieces because um, her new boyfriend, supposedly, uh, his team uh, will be playing the New York less, Jets quite so often. Less, less and so any time she goes to, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> less chemtrails, more New York more Jets. More
0: tight backs or whatever they're Um
1: called. Tight ends. Tight ends. Um, <laughs> But I just love that as an absolute, like, completely ludicrous oh, piece of news. I mean, she does control the media cycle around yeah. her very, very effectively. Uh, but I don't think she is... Dating a footballer uh, to distract from her use of private jets.
0: No, I don't think Taylor Swift kind of needs to do that at this point. I don't. She's because she can um, just hire a PR company to do away with stuff like that.
1: I I will say one of my one of my favorite memes I saw, and people have just loved this new thing. Is she shows up with her squad, um, and oh, who's in her squad? Oh, it's it's this. She has like a girl gang. Um, oh, this is fun. Blake Lively's always there. Oh. She's adopted um, Sophie Turner, who's oh yes. Um, Joe Jonas' soon-to-be ex-wife. And um, randomly enough, our very own Hugh Jackman was there the other night and everyone was like, what's Hugh Jackman doing hanging out with the Taylor Swift gang. Well, him and Deborah have gone separate ways. Exactly. So it's the divorcee gang.
0: Wow. That's
1: amazing. Anyway, that's my really fun, (laughs) distracting piece of news for you. And I'm going to go home and listen to Taylor Swift after this. Sorry, am I allowed to say that on Triple R? Yes, of course.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, I have also been obsessed with like a a blonde American woman who wears a high ponytail, (laughs) but a very different one. I I watched the um, Elizabeth uh, Holmes documentary on... um, Binge. So she was the founder of Theranos, which was supposed to – was this kind of um, tech – a science um, tech company that was supposed to revolutionise the way that you give blood and she invented this kind of thing that was supposed to be able to just take from two drops of blood this tiny thing would just prick your finger, two drops of blood, and it could run tests, thousands of different tests and you were going to be able to prevent death and all this sort of shit. Um, And she's now in jail for nine years (laughs) for defrauding investors. But um, I went down a solid rabbit hole and... um Because it was amazing. She's just she's quite a character, and the story is really incredible. And I found this podcast called The Dropout, which started back in January 2019, which um, was when it all came to light that so so she was she controlled Theranos very tightly. Anyone who throughout the time there there were scientists who were like, "Hang on a second, this is really dodgy. These machines that don't work. The things she's saying publicly Mm. doesn't actually." line up with what we're seeing. She had these kind of you're supposed to be able to just put this tiny capsule into a little machine that looks like no bigger than your desktop Epson printer and it was supposed to just sort of run all these tests and they'd come out the other end and it was supposed to happen in minutes and mm. this is how she convinced like Walgreens, the biggest kind of, you know, pharmacy chain to to take it on board and all this sort of stuff. But what they were doing behind the scenes was running it down to to another lab in the building and using like (laughs) commercial grade like Siemens (sighs) testing, you know, lab testing equipment and running it like the traditional way. So it was, you know, a lot of fake it till you make it. Um, And, you know, when people did complain or speak up, they were dealt with incredibly aggressively from her legal team. She had this ridiculous board of like ex-advisors to presidents and secretaries of state and all this sort of stuff. So it was all... You know, the smoke and mirrors was amazing. But anyway, so this podcast started in 2019 and told the whole story. And I was like, that's great. But then when she went on trial, it came back to tell the story of the trial. And every episode was like a 40-minute wrap-up of that day's Mm. trial proceedings. And I often listen to podcasts to get to sleep at night. I don't know. It's just the way my brain is wired. If someone is talking at me, I will fall asleep. Mm. Otherwise, I'll just lie there for hours. But... Listening to this, like you know, um, full um, and then de- the defence, you know, cross and this. Blah, blah, blah. I was like in full American trial mode, <laughs> s- still awake at you know two in the morning. Oh, what, what, what happened next? And hang on a second, what what witness did they call next? No, they called General Madden, <laughs> and you know, I got so deep into every single second of this trial. And then the park- I love
1: that you're also experiencing this. What like several years after it occurred? Years, years
0: after it occurred, because <laughs> the the trial was I think like in twenty one or something I mean after she's a since she was arrested, she's had two babies um and then it so it went away again, it did the whole trial and then it went away again, and then it came back last year to um to um report on the sentencing, mm. and so it's like this. I don't know how many episodes there are but it's very long. So I that has been my absolute rabbit hole the last week. I mean, we love a scam.
1: We I, love a scammer. I love grifters. Yeah. I mean, there was a real there was a huge moment for grifters in like probably I don't want the to year, get grifted, I have got to say. <laughs> probably the year that um she actually went down, there was like four or five big grifting stories. It was like the Fire Festival. Oh, and a yes. oh, she was
0: one of the best.
1: Yeah, the the Russian heiress who yeah. scammed her way through New York society.
0: That was amazing. Um, um, and, and, um, That's almost like the perfect grift. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they actually, it's such a, it's like they're almost inventing a complete other persona.
1: It was, it was very, um, like, um, catch me if you can. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it was just a young woman being an influencer.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Elizabeth Holmes was pretty bad because, yes, you know, yes. those Walgreens, the, those, um, Testing machines that and stuff that they put into Walgreens, like they were getting people were actually going and getting their blood tested mm. and getting completely mm. wrong results, being told they had cancer and stuff. Yeah, when they, yeah. you know, it was it was monumentally awful. And but grifters with no, <laughs> with 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 without any kind of um, victims. Oh well, I, I, I do think Anna good. did. She did have, have, uh, she did have to. She did too. just get a lot of like, free
1: hotels as well. But yeah. um,
0: no, I think I think she got close. She to She grifted people. some of her friends yeah. out of a lot of cash, didn't yeah. she? she did. mm. All grifters are bad.
1: A gap.
0: A gap. We don't have any at the moment. Are there? We, it's, I think we're ripe for another grifter. Are there yeah. any locally apart from the ones that have popped up around this referendum?
1: Oh, <laughs> not going to name any of them. Not those that we ones. can legally
0: talk about on air. Um <laughs> Rachel, uh, what will we read about in your monthly col- column tomorrow? You're doing one tomorrow. You don't get Friday off this yeah, week. Yeah,
1: my my wonderful co-columnist uh, Daniel James is having the Friday off uh, because he will be hosting 7am all of next week. Oh, a special, amazing. A special 7am uh, series every five, all five days. Uh, Daniel, who is a Got a man and a triple R host. Well, you
0: heard him here first on the mission every um, Tuesday evening, seven PM on Triple yeah. R, and so, obviously he was in in the studio with us a couple of weeks ago.
1: And he was in here with me on Tuesday morning doing Uncommon Sense.
0: <laughs> there you go. He um, gets around. We did say that he gets around.
1: Yeah. So I'll be doing tomorrow's column. Look, I usually don't decide until I wake up that day, but I do think all weekly. You probably heard some of the uh, stress in my voice earlier talking about how the media has handled yeah. this campaign um, and it might be time for one of
0: those big media analysis pieces. Fabulous. We'll make sure you read that um, from Rachel Tomorrow and bye for now.
2: And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform.
0: And you can follow us on Twitter at Naj Samble, at Lily Juice
2: and at The Shuffle Diary.
0: You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via on demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.